summer camp has been canceled, the family vacation has been sidelined, birthday parties are now on Zoom, school is online, grandma and grandpa are off limits, rushing that sorority this fall is just not going to happen, and sports have been sidelined. Basically, the best part of being a kid has been placed on hold. Hey there, thanks for joining me. My name is Shaleen Johnson, and today we're talking about how to help our kids cope with change and disappointment. When will this be over? When do we get to see grandma and grandpa again? When do I get to see my friends? When can I play sports again? What's going to happen in the fall? When will I see my teacher? When will this be over? Our kids are asking the very same question that the adults are asking. Everything our kids were looking forward to, we were looking forward to. I mean, let's face it. An hour with your kid at soccer practice is like one hour that you've actually got time to let someone else be in charge. Uncertainty creates anxiety. And the only thing that's certain in this moment is that there is no certainty. It's no wonder that our kids are beginning to suffer. Add to that, mom and dad are on edge too. If you're tired, unmotivated, frustrated, and losing hope, you're not alone. But all of those things are a state of mind. And you still have so many things that you have the ability to control. We just have to identify them. But let's start with your kids. How can we help your kids right now? Whether they're young kids, teenagers, or in my situation, adult children who are now dealing with disappointment. The things they were looking forward to just aren't going to happen. Their efforts to execute goals and plans have been sidelined, disrupted. Life has taken a detour. I had the opportunity this weekend to ask you on Instagram how your kids are coping with it. And the responses were remarkably similar. Most of you feel like you failed, like you're just failing miserably as a parent trying to hold it together and keep your kids motivated. Most of you told me you're worried. You're worried about what life is going to look like, the impact this is going to have on your children. I heard stories of parents who said, my 10-year-old is waking up and saying, why do I even have to wake up today? What is there to look forward to? I heard so many messages about teens self-harming, struggling with anxiety and depression, kids who've retreated and are no longer engaging with the family, losing interest in the things that they once loved, the things that they once enjoyed. I heard stories about kids, teenagers, young adults, even as young as grade school children having difficulty sleeping, trying to stay asleep, big changes in kids' emotional states, the way that they're behaving, clinginess, moodiness, temper tantrums, angry outbursts, even changes in their personalities, like kids who normally were self-sufficient, able to solve their own problems, now are following mom and dad around the house, and regressive behaviors like bedwetting. When news of the coronavirus first hit, I think a lot of us were in shock. It might have even seemed fun at first. I grew up in Michigan, and I remember when there were threats of a snowstorm. I was in the best mood. I couldn't wait to wake up in the morning and sit with my parents listening to the AM radio station for the announcement that our school would be closed. It was the best feeling. It still, to this day, puts me in such a good mood when the weather is super gloomy because it stirs up positive memories for me. It's a trigger. I'm reminded of how much I loved staying home from school. You got to skip out on your responsibilities, play with mom and dad, stay in your pajamas all day. 
And that was pretty fun. I don't know what year it was, but I think I was like maybe in fourth grade. There was this winter where we had an insane amount of snowfall, which meant we had weeks and weeks without having to go to school. At the onset, maybe your kids were pretty stoked about the idea that they would be spending more time with mom and dad, that they didn't have to wake up early and get ready for school, that there was no homework to do. And Zoom classes meant that they got to be on digital devices, the things that mom and dad maybe restricted them from use in the past. So kids were probably pretty excited, and maybe you were even pretty excited about it too. It's nice sometimes to have a change, to have a break. But I don't think any of us anticipated it dragging on this long. I don't think any of us imagined that there would be so much lasting uncertainty and the impact it would have on us, the lack of control that we would feel, how disruptive mentally, physically, and financially all of this has been. But here we are. And to this day, we still don't know what's coming next when things will go back to normal. Well, I guess we know that things are never going to go back to normal. When will things start to feel a little bit more routine? When will we have some degree of certainty? When will we, as parents, feel as though our children are being adequately taken care of, that we are able to create situations and circumstances that are going to give them every possible advantage? We know that kids need to be socialized. They need to compete. They need to make friends, they need to network, they need to learn how to get along. Kids need school, kids need education, they need stimulation, they need structure. They need all the things that we had. They need family, they need grandparents and cousins and friends. So let's talk first about how it is you can identify if in fact your child is struggling. I mean, there's common sense and most of us know our children well enough to know that they're not behaving the way they normally do. But I also think we often assume that kids are super resilient and that they're going to get through it and get over it. And they do. But at what cost in the long run? I think it's really important that we not just dismiss their behavior as a result of boredom or lack of structure. Some signs that your child might be suffering psychologically include gaining weight, skipping meals, hiding in their room or kind of refusing to come out of their room prolonged bouts of irritability or sadness, withdrawing from the family, losing interest in things that they once loved, having trouble falling asleep at night or staying asleep, behavioral changes, emotional changes, and as I mentioned, reverting to earlier developmental milestones. Child psychologist Mary Alvord, who studies trauma and resilience in children, reminds parents that anxiety and stress in children often can manifest itself in physical ways such as stomach aches or headaches, loss of appetite, diarrhea, constipation, rashes, and even immune responses. If you're noticing these types of changes day to day, the first thing you want to do, and I need to say this, is to consult with a physician. And if you're really worried about their mental state, I don't think there's anything better you can do for your child than to have them meet with a psychologist, a qualified therapist. The earlier you do this, the more advantages you're going to give your child. The next most important thing that you can do is to model what it looks like to be calm. Children, I mean, even really young children, like obviously your teens pick up on this stuff, but even really young children, even babies pick up on stress in their parents. They might not always understand what's going on, but children can feel tension. And you know this to be true. Think about yourself when you were a kid. 
You might not have known what was going on, but you knew something was going on when tension existed in your household. And I get it. Staying calm isn't exactly as easy as it has been. It requires a lot more conscious effort. It requires you creating mini breaks for yourself so that you can reset your own stress level. It might require that you're setting new boundaries, new rules, new systems, and new structure in your home to help you create that calm. Remember, the more structure we have in this moment, the more clarity we have, the more certainty we have. Children crave certainty. I don't care what age they are. They want to know what the boundaries are. Children thrive with structure. But what else do kids need to thrive? Well, they need their own space, their own place where they can soothe themselves, their own little moment that they can get away. They need to know that when they're feeling anxious or upset, that there's a place where they can go and sit, that everyone will leave them alone. Children, they need friendship. They need to play. Children need so much playtime. And when other parents are not willing to, or maybe for whatever reason, it's not safe for kids to get together, our children still need playtime. That might mean you've got to structure yourself to be their playmate, as opposed to just like every 10 minutes, having them come in and ask if they can bug you again. And throughout the day, you're trying to give them just a couple of minutes at a time. Give them very specific chunks of time where they know mom or dad's attention is uninterrupted. And children need communication. They need conversation. They need honest conversations. Studies show that parents who are willing to have open dialogue, honest communication with their children, those children fare far better than those children who are shielded from or protected from stress or conversations that parents think might be too much for them to handle. Kids know what's going on. They really do. They just need you to sit down with them, give them the time, wait, listen, ask them first. Okay, so what is it you know about, tell me what your understanding is right now about the coronavirus, or maybe it's about racial tensions or divorce or school or somebody in the family being sick. Start by asking your child what it is they know and then wait for their reply. Wait for them to answer. Wait and listen so that you can truly understand where they are and what it is they're going through. And be as honest as you can with your children. And that might mean sometimes explaining that you don't know the answer to when this will be over or you don't know how things are going to turn out, but share with them those things that you do have certainty. Like we do know that this will come to an end, that things we do know, things are going to get better. We do know that there are many blessings, things that we weren't able to do before that this pandemic or whatever circumstances are, maybe it's the divorce that you're talking to your children about, whatever the case may be, there's always a silver lining. There's always a blessing, even in the darkest of times. But one thing children need and we need, and that is something to look forward to. We understand that this is going to be over at some point. If you're not helping them to build hope for the future, hope for something that's a month off, a week away, hopelessness grows like a cancer, even in children. And hope isn't about pretending that everything's okay. It's about recognizing that things are they're going to be different. They're going to be very different. But we can still find things that we're looking forward to. We can create things to get excited about. So mom and dad, this is a call to you to be more creative. This is so important for your kids. 
I don't care what stage they're at, whether they're eight-year-olds or 18-year-olds, sit down with them and talk about the things that you can create together that they can be hopeful for. Start by first asking them what thing they're sad about missing, what they had planned on doing that they're at the moment it's been put on hold or they don't know if they'll ever be able to do it. Let's say you've got a 18-year-old who just graduated from high school and they were excited about going to college and rushing a sorority. And now, frankly, that's just not an option. So ask more questions. What is it you were looking forward to about that? Is it the meeting new friends? Is it the putting yourself out there, reinventing yourself, being independent, finding a group of friends that you have a lot in common with? Like what specifically is it about this experience that you are now sad that you're going to miss out on? What part of it specifically? What was it going to make you feel? What was it you were looking forward to? Like, what did you think that was going to be like? And you can do this with just about any situation. Maybe it's an eight-year-old who was looking forward to spending her first sleepover. Maybe it's your 10-year-old who was looking forward to doing sleepovers this summer. Or maybe all the kids are bummed that you won't be able to go camping this summer. Sit down with them and ask them specifically what it was they were looking forward to. Like, what was it going to make them feel? While we might not be able to do that particular thing, if we focused on what it is they wanted to feel, we can create other experiences that, while very different, might also help them to feel those things that they were looking forward to. It's an opportunity to teach our kids that it's so much more than like doing things or having things and going places, but It's a feeling, it's an experience, an emotion. It's an opportunity to teach our children that things will often go differently than what we had planned, that disappointment is part of life and we can get hung up on it or we can learn to be resilient. Teach them what it means to be resilient. Teach them what it means to be flexible, to create alternative plans. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break to honor our show sponsor today, which is My Soul CBD. And as you know, my favorite product, I'm just going to cut to the chase and tell you, are their Dream CBD capsules. They're a combination of CBD and melatonin. I take two to three every single night. Love them. I love that they don't have THC in them. They have zero THC. And that's important for some of you, especially those who are worried about having any THC in your system, whether that's for drug testing or you just don't like the way it makes you feel. THC is that stuff that typically gives people the feeling of being high, whereas CBD just affects the central nervous system in such a way that it allows you to relax while you're trying to fall asleep. Actually, CBD, because it has an impact on the central nervous system, it is fantastic to recalibrate homeostasis. That means whether you're trying to cope with anxiety or focus, CBD might just be an all-natural solution for you. They have tons of different products all of which are third-party lab-tested so that you know that they don't have any THC in them. They've got tons of different products, so if you don't want to do droppers or capsules, you can do these delicious CBD gummies that they've launched. They're fantastic. Everything is USA-grown, organically farmed, and gluten-free. So whether it's inflammation or sleep or stress or focus, anxiety, anything that your central nervous system could have an impact on, you should try CBD. We continue to see really promising research on the benefits of CBD. I love that it's all natural. I love that it's non-addictive. Why not try it? Especially when you get 20% off when you use the code LIFER. Simply go to mysoulcbd.com 
and use the code LIFER for your 20% off. All right, back to the show. My son Brock was entering his final year at UC Davis. This is the final year that he had to play collegiate football. It's what he's dreamed of doing his entire life since he was a little boy, watching his dad and his uncle and his grandpa and so many other relatives before him play football, specifically as quarterbacks. I mean, the kid dreamed of being a quarterback all of his life, and he put in every possible effort you could possibly imagine to make that happen, to finally get a scholarship and to be at UC Davis and to be entering into his final year and to have been trying so hard to be the ultimate teammate and to wait for his time, to wait for his opportunity, and this being a senior year, being it, and learning just recently that it's just not going to happen that way. He has just a few credits left in order to receive his degree, but school is going to be online. So did it really make sense for him to move back up to UC Davis for a football season that may never be, for just a few classes that he would have to be taking online in his apartment? For months, he's been dealing with that uncertainty, and so have the rest of his teammates. But at the same time, he's used this downtime to pour his focus and energy and attention to get what it was he was getting from football and to get it from business. The feeling that football created for him was one of confidence and competition and the thrill of knowing that the harder he worked, the better his skills were to develop. And the better his skills became, the more rewarding it was. And just having control over the ability to get good at something was really exciting. Well, he transferred that same feeling that he wanted to create and just started focusing on work, on business, and building his online business during this downtime kept him excited and motivated, inspired and energized. It gave him something to look forward to every single day. If there wasn't going to be football practice, he needed to create something where he could measure the impact of his efforts. I actually think that's why a lot of athletes end up going into business, much like Brett. I mean, it's the thrill of the competition. It's working on your skills. It's strategy, work ethic, and all the things that are required to be a great athlete. So Brock recently came to the decision after working through it with himself, with his girlfriend, with us, and with a therapist to close the chapter on football. The decision he was facing was basically keeping his life on hold for another year for an opportunity to possibly play as the starting quarterback, possibly, without any guarantees. And that might mean another year of playing football, but his chances of playing in the NFL were obviously very, very low and not something he really wanted to do. Brock is super excited about business. So he had to make the decision, okay, am I continuing to keep my life on hold with all the uncertainty of when and if there'll be a football season and then when and if I'll have a chance to play? And that's for what purpose? I'm really not sure when what it is I'm most excited about. I'm doing and I want to do it all the way. And I can finish getting my degree and do that remotely and be excited about moving to a new city. So that's what he's doing. In the next 10 days, Brock is going to be moving to Seattle, Washington. I know what you're thinking. I've already said you're not going anywhere near Chop or Chaz. He's always loved Seattle. Seattle's been on his radar long before it's been the spot of national news. And Brock just wants to live in a bunch of different places and create the freedom that he's worked for the last five years building an online business while he's in college so that he would have this option 
it's freedom. That is freedom. Choice is freedom. I asked Brett the other day, what do you like the most about your life? And he said, choices. We have choices. You have choices. Your children have choices. Give them the opportunity to weigh in on their own choices. I personally think one of the reasons why Brock worked with a therapist to reach this decision is because he probably worried that he would be disappointing us by not continuing to play football. I can see why he might feel that way, but we don't. We're incredibly happy for him. We want both of our kids to make the decisions that are right for them, that are best for them, that they're never living their lives based on what they think mom and dad want them to do. We want them to make informed decisions, but we also know that some of those decisions are not the decisions we would have made. We also know that some of the decisions they make are going to cause them pain or discomfort and missteps, but that's part of life. We want them to know they have what it takes to fix those things. We encourage them to experiment and for that experiment to fail and to try something new. For Sierra, who turned 20 during quarantine, she was 19 when she moved back into the house after school in LA, fashion school for her went online and it's still online. Sierra has finished now two years of her degree. So she has her associates and she was facing the decision, okay, do I go back to school in the fall, incur an additional tuition cost for what? Am I going to get my bachelor's or have I learned what it is I need to learn? So we helped her with that decision. The questions we asked her were, okay, do you want to work for someone else? Is this what you've been doing to be hired by the right firm, to be working in the right industry, to be someone's protege, you know, to get work elsewhere. And she is very clear, my child for sure, that she cannot work for anyone other than herself. And I couldn't agree more with that conclusion that she's reached, which in that case, she doesn't need a bachelor's. And if that's not what you're excited about doing for the love, don't do it now. Don't waste another two years of going to school for a degree that, frankly, she doesn't need. The motivation and the excitement aren't there. Then why would you do it? If it's not something you need to pursue the next thing that you're excited about, you can always go back to school later. Also, be aware that if you're not in school, you are now 100% adulting on your own. That meant perhaps sooner than what she had expected. The rules of the game are if you're not in school, then you are responsible for your own existence. That means insurance, car, housing, groceries, you name it. Welcome to adulthood. So before you make this decision, are you ready for that level of responsibility? And her answer is yes. So then we helped her to create what that needed to look like. What does your daily earnings need to look like? And how can you create that type of income? Filing her own LLC doing online work for Freelancer and Upwork and doing some part-time design work for Team Johnson, doing whatever she can to stay active in the field that she's excited about pursuing without having to put the demands on her that like, okay, here's the business that you're starting or here's the thing that you're going to be doing for the rest of your life. Like, just get started. Just start making enough money to support yourself and to figure out what you love. We put so much pressure on our kids to know exactly what they're going to be in how they're going to support themselves and what their career will be and how they will label themselves. And if this pandemic has taught us nothing else, I hope it has taught us we need to learn how to rely on ourselves and we need multiple streams of income. One singular stream of income, whether it's from a job or just one source of income from a business, is kind of risky. 
Thankfully, we have countless streams of income, Brett and I, through our investments and the five different businesses that we operate. But in the beginning, it was really tough for her. She was living her very best life in LA. She loved her roommate. She loved where she lived. She loved being downtown. The vibe of downtown LA was so perfect for everything that she had planned for her life. And she was just starting to plan what it would look like to start her own clothing company. Well, retail clothing isn't doing so hot right now. So she's had to reassess, like, is that the right thing to do right now? Is that the best use of my time? Or is it a better idea for me to pursue some of these other things that I have some interest in and figure it out? That's what life is about. Like, let your kids figure some things out. Let them try a bunch of things. Encourage them to experiment, to fail, to try things temporarily and see how they work. But most of all, teach your kids that if they sit down with a pen and a piece of paper and they're creative and they think about what it is they want to feel, not what it is they want to have, but what is it they want to feel and what type of experiences can they create that allow them to feel those things, that fulfill that need that they have. We all want to be significant. We all want to have something to look forward to. In times like this, both children and adults, we need structure and we also need choice. Uncertainty is stressful for children and adults. Give your kids opportunities to regain a sense of control by letting them call the shots wherever it's possible. Give them choices. You don't have to say, like, okay, so what do you want to do today? Instead, you might say to them, okay, Do you want to spend an hour practicing piano in the morning or in the afternoon? Would you like to spend 30 minutes crafting with mom this afternoon? Or would you like to spend 30 minutes playing at the park? Give them some choice. Let them pick the restaurant that you're going to go get takeout from. Let them decide what documentaries they want to watch and why. Now, I'm not suggesting that you let your kids run the roost. I'm suggesting that you tell your kids, okay, we can do this or we can do that. And oftentimes that means you've got to explain to them what are the pros and cons of each decision. You can get dressed today in the clothes that you pick out, or you can decide to stay in your pajamas all day. But let's talk about how each one of those makes you feel. Like, what are the pros and cons? Help them to decide by sharing with them the consequences and then let them experience the consequences of their decisions. I want to share with you some ideas that you might find super useful. Now, before I go further, some of these things you might disagree with. They might fly in the face of your beliefs about the pandemic, the coronavirus, what's safe and what's not safe. We are not going to get into politics here. I'm not going to tell you to wear a mask or not wear a mask. I ain't going there. There's plenty of people to do that for you. What I do want to share with you, though, are some really creative ideas I've heard from parents that I want to pass along. Ashley and Pat live in a small community where there's lots of families who have children about the same age. They decided to make a pact with two other families, like literally, we're going to shake on it. No contracts are signed, but we're keeping an eye on each other. And these three families decided that they would not allow anyone else into their circle, not visit with family members or go anywhere else. They knew that one person in the family was doing the grocery shopping. In other words, what they were doing was really isolating themselves from exposure and truly sticking to quarantine so that in this cul-de-sac could count on playing with other children of the same age every day as part of quarantine. 
It also gave each one of the parents a break, right? Like, so if all the kids were playing at Pat and Ashley's house, then the other parents had a break and vice versa. And the only way this worked is because they had that trust in each other. And they really stuck to it because Ashley happens to be my cousin. I'd be like, hey, do you guys want to like, hello, we're four months into the quarantine. Everyone's cool. We're family. Can you come over? And she's like, we can't. We made these other families a promise. And it's important to our girls to give them that social outlet. So we have to stay true to our word. Sherry from Instagram shared with me that she and six other families have agreed to kind of pool together and do a kind of homeschooling co-op. Now, none of these parents have experience homeschooling, but they do know that their kids need that socialization and they need that variety. And so they've organized basically a homeschooling co-op. I think it's brilliant. This might be completely out of the question for you, but it also might just be the solution you need. Like so many parents have got to figure out how in the heck, number one, am I going to go back to work. And number two, if I'm not the best suited person to homeschool my children, I need to find a way to make sure their education is being provided for. Never have we needed to be more creative. Necessity is the mother of invention. You might just be on the brink of discovering something that becomes a driving force, that becomes a cornerstone of your next source of income. Think about all the unmet needs right now. Everything you think, gosh, I wish there were someone doing fill in the blank. I wish there was a company that offered X, Y, Z. I wish I knew someone who could solve this problem. Every one of those thoughts means that there's a need, creativity or innovation. But the other thing we need in large supply is empathy and forgiveness. We have to be empathetic. We have to understand that what our kids and what we're feeling is very normal But we also, without dismissing people's feelings, we have to let each other know it's not that bad. Look at all the blessings we have around us. I mean, look at those who survived the Holocaust. The Holocaust is completely different. That was an atrocity created and committed against human beings by human beings. The coronavirus isn't something intentional. We still have freedoms. We can still go to essential stores and watch Netflix and and order absolutely any creature comfort to your door and have it delivered by Amazon Prime within the next day. It's not fun, but it's also not that bad. And your attitude and perspective is contagious. And the news can be poisonous. So be very careful, moms and dads, that you're not spending too much time plugged into the news because that's all anyone is talking about on the news. And it's doom and gloom. It's disaster. It's finger-pointing and tensions and fights and difference of opinions, and battle cries. I mean, if you're watching the news right now, much of what we're seeing looks like a war zone. Riots, protests, looting, the image of a police officer, someone who we should trust, with his knee on the neck of a black man, murdering him while others look on. I mean, these things, they're hearing about them, they're seeing them, and it's going to create a profound impact on our children's psychology if we're not careful. And they are going to see these things. So it's important that we not sweep them under the rug, that we talk to our children about them. If you don't feel qualified to talk to your children about these things, there are so many resources available to you on your phone, on your computer, on your laptop, where you can find incredible resources. In fact, in the show notes, I'm going to provide for you a link to several different PDFs that are ideally created to talk to your children about these difficult topics. 
and you'll make the best decision on how much your kids need to know. But I do think they're hearing this stuff and they're seeing this stuff. Even if you think that they're not listening or paying attention, I promise you they are. They know what's going on. They're hearing it. They're seeing it. Lastly, the most important thing you can do, like I like to create episodes where there's an action you can take that can significantly change your life. Like after listening to all of this, what should you do? I've given you tons of ideas, some of which will work, some of which are out of the question, but what do you need to do? Like what action should you take today? I want you to schedule four hours, four hours, whether that's on Saturday or Sunday, where there's going to be a break in that four-hour block, but you're going to sit down with your kids and come up with some plans, come up with something that they can look forward to. Create additional structure. Develop some options for them to make some choices. Have these conversations. Talk to them about what they're feeling. Communicate honestly with them. Speak into their potential. Let them know you know they are becoming better human beings because of this. We're all going to be better because of this. Challenges always make us better. Tough times always strengthen us. So forgive yourself. Be kind to yourself. Be patient and recognize the many things that you have improved as a parent because of the situation. Don't beat yourself up. Pat yourself on the back today. Pull your shoulders back. You're doing a great job. I love you. I mean it. And I'll talk to you soon. Hey, this is Ashley Sweeney, Registered Dietitian, Program Director for Shalene's Phase It Up by 131 Method. Phase It Up is our new and improved health and nutrition program designed to help you look and feel your best. You can't keep eating the same foods week after week, month after month, and expecting to get the same results. You've got to phase your diet. When you begin Phase It Up, you'll log in and have the option to choose from Ignite, Nourish, Renew, Target, or the Tough Times Phase. You're going to decide which phase is best for you based on your goals. Use one of our pre-designed meal plans and shopping lists, or follow the DIY guides to make your own meal plans using our over 700 recipes we have for you to choose from. You'll start receiving daily text motivation and support from Shalene right away and be on your way to creating healthier habits for good. For a limited time, you can sign up today for our seven-day trial for only a dollar. Try it out and join us at shaleen.com forward slash dollar trial. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.